Welcome everyone this morning. How's everybody feeling this morning? Let me hear it. It's so good to be together. So good to see all of you in church this morning. This morning we are launching, as Rachel said, into a brand new message series. I'm so excited about it. But before we get to that, this also is the launch of our Easter campaign. We are now four weeks away from one of the best Sundays of the year to invite somebody to church. And I'm just, I'm actually so excited about the next four weeks, what God's going to do, and just seeing God move in amazing ways in people's lives in four weeks in this room that right now have no, uh, this is not even, there not, not, might not even be a desire in their heart today to know God or who he is. They are uh, four weeks away from a miracle in their life. And God puts you in their lives so that they can encounter him. And so I'm excited for these next four weeks. Uh, I, I want to give us a bold and audacious goal as a church. Come on, how many people are like bold, audacious goals? We're going for it. I believe this morning, there's probably about 200 people here. I believe that as a church, in the next four weeks, we could invite a thousand people personally to come to church on Easter Sunday. So 200, you do the math, right? Um, I used to be a CA, um, and so I can still do uh, the basic math of 1,000 divided by 200. That's about five invitations each. Now, that might seem like a lot to you, and maybe it would be, um, but we have put in your, in your seat this morning an Easter Invite 5 card. And every week we're going to be doing these. Uh, in fact, these aren't the print ones that we had intended for you. We had like our logo on some cards and then like a, a whole print malfunction happened. But we've got these cards, which are the starters. Uh, we'll get you into the real, like the real, this is like the subs, but next week we get the real stuff. But I didn't want you to miss a week of being able to write down some names. So I'm going to ask you to take this card. And here's what we do at Resonate Church when it comes to our giving, when it comes to involving you in anything. Honestly, we don't ever want to ask you to do something. I actually just want to ask you to ask God what he would have you to do. So that's really the heartbeat of our house. And so I want you to just take a moment and ask God, who would you have me invite to Easter this year? When Jesus was inviting his first disciples uh, in John's gospel, he simply said to them, come and see. Come and see. He didn't preach some great message. He, it, he just said, come and see. And all of us can do that this Easter. In fact, I want to let you know, our lead team, which is myself and uh, Pastor Rachel, Pastor Troy, uh, Jane Beaumont, Jamal Amaya, the five of us, have committed, the five of us have committed to invite at least 100 people to Easter. So 20 people each. I've got 30 people right now on my list. I'm stoked uh, to just be inviting people to church. And here's the thing. How do you make an invitation? How, how do you go about doing this? Here's the important thing that we understand as a church is that um, we just need to be faithful with the ask and leave it up to God whether someone's ready to say yes. You know, because no one wants to feel pressured in our world. No one wants to feel like pushed into doing something, especially when it comes to politics or church. And so we don't push people. We don't, we don't try to even move people. To us, honestly, it's not even about how many people we get to come to church. It's about being faithful with the invitation and then just trusting God with whether or not people are ready to say yes. And so I want you at some point this morning to just ask God, uh, maybe even right now, who he would have you write down. And then you can just take this card, drop it in our giving and card box on your way out this morning. And we're just actually going to celebrate each week as we move towards that thousand number. We've already got a hundred in the bag, right? <laughs> if five can take a hundred, what can 200 do? So I'm excited about that. I also want to show you our Easter marketing campaign. And 
Uh, the guys will put that up on the screen for me this morning. It's called Love Conquered Death. And it is not your typical uh, church Easter uh, graphic image. There it is, Love Conquered Death. This is going to be, we're going to be pushing this out all over social media. We're going to be giving away thousands of invitations with this on it. And uh, here's the thing. It might not look like uh, your grandma's uh, church Easter uh, invitation. But here's why we did this. It is an accurate representation of what life is like without Jesus. I don't know how you feel about it as a marketing campaign, but I can tell you it's exactly what people are going through, the people that are far, people in your life far from God. And I've got, on my list of 30, I've got two baristas. Um, one of them I know, I know her name, the other I don't know uh, her name, but I talk to them all uh, regularly. I should know the girl's name, but that's okay. Um, but I got two baristas on my list. I can't wait to hand them that invitation because I know when they see that, they're gonna actually think, you know what, there might be a church that knows what life is about. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, we're gonna be rolling that out over the next few weeks as well. And that's just my big introduction to this morning. Uh, and we're rolling into a new message series. Everybody ready? It's called More. It's about the Holy Spirit. And the reason we called the series More is that there are, there are Christians, there's a lot of people that know Jesus, have a relationship with God, are going to heaven and have not had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And I want to let you know over these next four weeks as we journey together that God has more, 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 more for you. And I want us to journey together through, uh, through some scripture this morning. We're going to go to John uh, chapter 16 where we're going to find Jesus. And the night before he goes to the cross, he is talking about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And uh, it's just an incredible piece of scripture. But before we get there, I want to invite us to pray. And normally we would do this at the end of a service where we kind of go into a, a time of prayer once the word has kind of opened your heart to what God wants to do. But I want you to open your heart before we go to God's word this morning. So would you just all over the room, would you stand with me just for a moment as we pray together? And I'm just going to lead us in just a few minute time of prayer. And if you feel comfortable, you can just kind of open your hands before God, just in a posture of openness and receiving from God. And what I want you to do is I just, I want to ask you just to clear everything out of your, out of your mind and just let go of the problems, the worries. And I just want to invite you to, to picture God in heaven and the angels around his glory, just shouting his glory. And I want you to just begin to, in, in, with that in mind, just begin to thank God for all the good stuff that's going on in your life right now. Just begin to give God thanks and praise for what he's doing and has done in your life. I think it would be appropriate also to just confess some sin. Is there anything standing between you and God today? And as you acknowledge that thing, lean into the truth that he forgives you. Let's pray that we would fall more in love with God in this series. Just pray that over yourself, God. I pray that I would know you better. I'd fall more in love with you. Let's pray for our church. Pray that God would give us love for one another. Come on, let's make that our prayer this morning. God, give us your love for one another. 
in this community, in this church. And now let's honestly ask God to fill us with his spirit. God, would you fill us? May we not walk through this series and leave the other side unchanged. Not even today, God, not even in these next in this next half hour. God, do something in our lives that goes beyond my simple words today, God. God, may we encounter the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Do more. God, we're open. Lord, I just, I just declare over my own life, and I pray it would be a model for this house. I'm all in, Lord. I'm all in. I'm all in to what you have for my life today, God. That we would make much of you and glorify you and we'd know you in our lives. And everybody said together, come on, amen, a good amen, a good amen. You can grab your seat this morning. John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. The night before Jesus would go to the cross. Jesus says a lot of things in this discourse to his disciples as he's sitting around a table and as they're celebrating the Passover Seder together. They're eating together. They would have been there for hours. They're taking uh, over the course of the evening four cups of wine together. And, um, so they're remembering the Passover, and that's really not the focus of this morning. Where I want us to lean into is the words that Jesus speaks to his disciples. And some of what he says is not what I would expect the night before Jesus would go to the cross. In fact, Jesus is trying to get his disciples excited about what God wants to do in their life next. Jesus is trying to get them to, to be full of anticipation. Jesus is, is literally going to be hyping up the ministry of the Holy Spirit around this table the night before he goes to the cross. And this is what the Bible says. Jesus is he's about to make what I am going to say is his most unfathomable, unbelievable statement that he makes to his disciples at any point in his ministry, even more unbelievable when then he told them that he was the son of God. Because that he backed up by you know, healing, uh, raising someone from the dead and healing blind eyes and healing a lame person. Listen, when he said he was the son of God, he backed that up with a whole bunch of miracles. And so the claim that Jesus is about to make, I can just see them sitting there. I can picture Peter. I, you know, we know Peter well enough from the gospels to know Pete, Pete kind of second guesses some stuff sometimes. Pete Pete knows better than to keep second-guessing Jesus, right? He did this just a, a little bit earlier when Jesus said he was going to have to go to the cross and Pete was like, uh-uh, no way. And Jesus will said some stuff to him that kind of made him just kind of take a chill. And so I can see Pete at this table. And Pete, here's Jesus, what he's about to say. And Pete is like, he's like, mm, I want to say something right now. I got to, this is not, mm, no, it's not true. I can't handle this. He's like, I'm going to zip it, because the last time he said, get behind me, Satan, and I just don't want to go there again, so I'm going to chill. Jesus, the night before the cross, his most unbelievable statement. In fact, I want to, I, I want to suggest to you that I believe the disciples, the look on their face was like, I believe everything he said, and I don't think I can hear this. This is what Jesus said. John 16, verse 7. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is better 
for you, disciples. Now you just, you've been following me for a while. He's, imagine what this would sound like to a disciple that's just seen Jesus walk on the water, right? Jesus, I saw you turn the water into wine at that party. And then I saw you, I saw you heal that girl. In fact, there was that dead girl and they, they, they asked you to come and then you raised her back to life. Jesus, I, I, I've seen you heal people and I've seen you do miracles. I saw you take the, the, the bread and the fish and you multiplied it so that 5,000 people, like, I, I, I don't think that it's better for anybody that you go away. Now hold on to that thought. I hope in your life that when you've got something great going on, you've got someone in your world that celebrates the way my wife Rachel celebrates when something good is going on. Now some of you will know this about Rachel. Rachel, if you tell Rachel that something, and I don't wanna put the pressure on her, like, oh, y'all gonna go and like try to get her to celebrate with you. But I know she can handle it. This is what she does. She comes by it honestly. Rachel, if something's going great, it's just like, if you tell her some news, say you went up to her and you're like, hey, we're pregnant. Like she would literally, you would hear her across the room in the lobby later today. If that's, you know, you just, she would, ah, <laughs> And she comes by it honestly. It's legit. It's, it's very real. Her mother was this way. I remember when Rachel and I first started dating, she was graduating, getting her undergrad degree, and she invited me to the commencement. And I was the proud boyfriend, of course, like I was going to go. I was thinking about it this week, and I was remembering that I had like long, flowing, curly hair. It was like I was trying to have Rachel's haircut. Maybe I was. It's a bit weird, but, you know, you do what you do to impress a girl, right? Maybe if I get her hair, she'll be like, we're one, you know. And <laughs> it worked, so. So I go to the commencement, it's a room of about a thousand people, and, and they start calling people's names, and they start walking across, and you know the crazy friends, yeah, you all been to a commencement, when someone starts walking across, there's always a few kind of like people that have the rowdy friends, right? And so they start walking across, and then you hear the rowdies, yeah, yeah, go Tim, yeah, it's so great. That sounds like Rachel a few minutes ago, I only have one voice, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, it's always the crazy friends, it's never the parents, it's never mom and dad that are like, no, it's the crazy friends, except for, in our case, Rachel's mom. So when they call Rachel's name, I start to golf clap. You know, like, I'm just like. When next to me comes this shout, like nothing these thousand people had heard yet. Like we are tailgating outside the, like, the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl party. You know I was going to get that back in, right? <laughs> it's like. We got another few months of that. Every week, I'm going to find a way. <laughs> Rachel's just, mom just starts shouting, like, what? She's just thrilled. Rachel comes by it com completely honestly. Now, here's the thing. Rachel's, Rachel's amplitude when she's exciting with you, uh, when she's excited with you, it goes beyond what you're expecting. And so I, I'd imagine you do this, I do this. You look at her eyes and you're like, are you being serious right now? <laughs> and you look at her eyes and you're like, no, oh, that's legit. That's genuine. She's actually that excited for me. Now, I want you to picture the disciples around this table with Jesus. And as Jesus says, hey, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I go away, I, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And they're like, no, I don't think so. And then they look at Jesus' eyes and they're like, hang on a minute. He's not playing right now. No, he's serious. You see, something we need to understand if we're going to live this Christian life to the full, is that Jesus knew that he, when he chose to come as a man and enter into time and space, that he was one person in one place, and at best he could be for one group of people at a time. 
But he knew that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon the church, the Holy Spirit would be for all people in all places at all times. Jesus said, it is better for you that I go away. It's a night before the cross. And what is Jesus wanting to do? He is wanting to hype up the disciples on what is to come, what a God we serve. Hey guys, get your eyes on what is to come because what is to come is actually going to be better than what has been because I've been, I've been doing amazing things and yes, I'm God, but I understand I've just been localized to one place. But what God wants to do for, from now on is he wants to do this all over and he wants to do it in you. More, come on, more. Jesus wants his disciples to know that there's more. I want you to turn to someone this morning, someone beside you, and just be like, there's more for you. God has more for you. It was the same after Jesus would resurrect from the grave. Jesus would spend some 40 days at times appearing to his disciples and, and talking to them about what this resurrection life now looked like. Now that I've risen, what does this look like and what's to come? And, what's, and the Bible doesn't re- actually record a lot of what Jesus said in those 40 days. In fact, very little. There's really two main themes of things that we see Jesus talked about. The first we find in Matthew chapter 28, and it's the Great Commission. It's our number one priority as a church. It's, it's about purpose. It's about calling. It's about direction. It's about what's on our lives. And now what are we supposed to do? And it's about going and making much of Jesus. Jesus said this, go, go. You've got purpose. Go. Now that I've risen, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Purpose, purpose, purpose. And that's why as a church, really, we're not, we say this all the time, we're not just about Sundays. We're not just about sitting together and worshiping together and hearing messages. We are about unlocking the purpose that God placed on your life because you are called to do something for God and it's to go and make disciples of all nations. That's why the centerpiece of the journey that we want to lead you on, and we talk about it every week, is our next steps. Because we want you to know, well, how did God wire me? And what gift is on my life that I could go and now make much of who Jesus is? And I'm going to be there teaching step one today. And we're going to be eating pizza. And I hope to see you there. First thing that we see Jesus talking about after his resurrection is about purpose. Now, what's the second thing? What's the second highlight? It's in Acts chapter 1, and it's Jesus again coming back to the same theme that he had left his disciples with the night before he went to the cross. And he's saying to them, guys, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And so before you go, I actually want you to hang out right here in Jerusalem and wait. Wait here because the promise of the Holy Spirit is going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to fall on you. You need to first wait. You see, before God wants to do something through you, God first wants to do something in you. And it's not to give you more information about who he is. It's to fill you with his life. You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is about taking what the devil has tried to put into your mind and into your heart since day one, since you were born, and to actually just flip the script and say basically the opposite of everything that the devil's tried to say to you. You see, where the devil came along and has tried to say to you, hey, you, you have a small life and you don't have much purpose. See, the Holy Spirit wants to come along and speak life over you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit cries out within our hearts, Abba, Father. The Spirit wants us to know, hey, I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. It might not look like I'm much on the outside, but you need to know that I am an heir and I've got some purpose. And God has said to me, go. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside and just undo what the devil has done. The Holy Spirit also wants to flip the script on shame in your life. You see, the devil's come along and has constantly said to you that you need to live in condemnation from the mistakes of your past. The Holy Spirit comes and flips the script and brings conviction. You see, condemnation is is designed to get you to move away from God. 
with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. No, that's like, that's a pull, that's a jaw. That's like, let go of this so you can lean into all that I am and have. The Holy Spirit wants to flip the script. The Holy Spirit wants to absolutely undo what the enemy's lies have said to you your whole life. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, this sounds amazing. This sounds good. This is like, man, I want to lean into this. How do I get more of this? After Jesus would tell his disciples, tell them to go into and wait in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit would fall. And on that day of Pentecost, Peter would stand up. Remember Peter who's around the table and Peter who's like, I can't, I don't know if I can believe this fully. Peter sees the the Holy Spirit come upon the disciples and Peter stands up and preaches the first message on the day of Pentecost. And this is what he said. Really what Peter wanted to do was he wanted to preach to us today. He said this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now notice, he doesn't say, go and do some stuff, and then you're going to earn more of God. He says, no, repent, believe, and then you're going to receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. This is Avia's birthday this past week, and we, just, we, we gave her a lot of different gifts. Um, we had relatives that sent gifts, and we just put our name on it. And gave, no, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. We thought about it, but no, we didn't do that. No, we were just constantly kind of handing her gifts. People had given stuff, and when we'd been buying stuff, and she would get this, she'd get something from us, and it, would, it might be like a $2 ball from like the toy store. But when, you hand, when we would hand her a gift, she would rip it open and be like, this is just what I wanted. She would be so excited. Why does she have this kind of ferocious tearing that happens as a four-year-old? Why does she do this? Why does she just rip the paper? You know why? Because she's seen the gifts we've given her before, and she knows they're good. And it's the same with us when it comes to God. Come on, God's given you forgiveness of sin. God has given you new life. And now when it comes to the gift of the Holy Spirit, come on, that should be the attitude and heart of us as believers. Like, I want all that you've got for me because I've seen the other gifts that you've given to me. My heart this morning is to, is to, over the next four weeks, lead us into a deeper encounter with the ministry and life of the Holy Spirit. I actually want to ask you, church, to commit to these four weeks. Come on the journey with us and discover all that God has for you in bringing more to your life through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That you would say, you know, I'm, I'm in for this because I do need more. So why, if this is so great, if this is what the promise of God has, that there's more, even after I got saved, God wants to fill me with his life, why then are there some Christians that we've not experienced or encountered the Holy Spirit in the fullness that God intends for us? Why would that be? Well, you know, I think, I think sometimes it's just that there are some misconceptions. Things that we've either seen on TV, things that we've heard, you know, honestly, none of us really want to, to be in a, in a space or an encounter where we're just like, man, that that feels weird. And some of us have just seen things in our lives or heard things about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Maybe someone say, oh, you know, don't go to that church where it's about the Holy Spirit. Or really, in our culture, that's not the case anymore. That's a lot of people that aren't in our world just have never been to church. That might have been you. You have no preconceived idea of what the ministry of the Holy Spirit looks like. And I'm stoked for you, to be honest, because you don't have any fears or any worries about, well, you're just like, man, God's gave me a great gift when he saved me and I want all that he's got for me. And I'm just excited for you in these four weeks. So I want to talk for a minute. I want to teach just on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to undo some of those misconceptions. What I want us to do is I want to look at this beautiful intersection of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because on the one hand, what the Holy Spirit does is brings beauty and order 
Not disorder, not dysfunction, but beauty and order. And on the other hand, the Holy Spirit is definitely going to get you to move out of your comfort zone. It's an intersection of two things that seem to be opposed to one another, that the Holy Spirit brings beauty and order, and at the same time is going to get you to leave a comfort zone. Let's go to the Bible to see this. The first place that we see uh, the Holy Spirit mentioned in Scripture is Genesis chapter 1. It's actually the second verse of the Bible. It's, it's really at creation where we see the fullness of the Trinity in operation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. It says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so there's some void, there's some chaos, and what we see the Holy Spirit doing is combining some elements and bringing about creation and bringing about beauty and bringing about order. So unlike what you might have heard about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not bring disorder. The Holy Spirit is about bringing beauty and order into your life. And how, I know every single one of us needs this. Man, right now there's a void in your life somewhere. There's a place where there's some emptiness, some hollowness. And you need the Holy Spirit to come and bring some beauty. Maybe right now in your life, I think for all of us, there's some degree of chaos in your world. And you need the Holy Spirit to come and put some things in order. We need the beauty and the order of the Holy Spirit. But there is this second part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it is that the Holy Spirit will move you outside of your comfort zone. Because what loving father would want to leave you in a comfort zone when he knows there's more? So the Holy Spirit will lead you out of your comfort zone. The Holy Spirit is going to challenge you out of your comfort zone, honestly, because he wants to get rid of the dysfunction in our lives. He wants to move us past. And, and Canada needs a move of, of God. Canada needs a move of God. And it's not going to look like what it looked like in the past. And it's not going to look like what we would even expect it to look like. Come on, somebody. Because when God moves, God does not want us to get in love with the way he's done it in the past. God does not want us in love with some sort of form. God wants us in love with the person. That's why in the Bible, there's one burning bush. That's why in the Bible, there's only one time Jesus goes and he makes some mud. And he puts it on some guys to heal his eyes. Because this guy came and he said, hey, Jesus, I want you to heal my friend. Put your hands on him like you've been doing everybody else. And Jesus is like, oh, you thought it was the hands. Uh, don't fall in love with the recipe. How about I make some mud for you? Because God knows that if he does it the same way, the same, all, the same every time, we're going to fall in love with the system. We're going to fall in love with the recipe, not in love with the person. And so God's going to do something different as he moves in Canada in this day. And Resonate Church, as we move into year number two, we are starting out this year telling ourselves that there's more. There's more. There's more. I want to tell you a story this morning because what we've talked about so far is about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us, about beauty out of uh, void, out of order in chaos, about the ministry of freedom and the Holy Spirit filling your life. Come on, we've talked about what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of you, how Jesus has just been hyping up the Holy Spirit, like, hey, it's better for you that I go away because this can be everywhere at all times. We talked about that ministry to us. But I want to leave you with this thought, and it's simply this, that the purpose of the power is not about us, it's about people. The purpose of the powers is always about people. In November of 2004, my dad's best friend, uh, Jim Keddy, and his wife Sue, they were living in Hong Kong and they were walking out of church one day and God 
told Jim that he needed to contact a friend that he hadn't talked to in Canada in over 10 years. Now, this is 2004, so it's, hard, it's not that long ago. It's kind of hard to believe, though, that there were no iPhones, there was no Facebook. Like, if you wanted to contact someone you hadn't talked to in a while, you had to dig up one of your old phone books, right? You know, we all had those, like, phone books, um, you know, just the little books. You'd, you'd turn the page, and you'd find the letter or the Rolodex, you know, and... Well, no one travels with their Rolodex, and so his was back in Canada. This is, this is 2004, right? This is weird. This is like we were looking in phone books in 2004. We didn't have, we didn't have 2,000 phone numbers in our pocket. Like, if you've been born in, like, in the year, maybe you were born in like 2000, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. You're talking about, like, did you guys drive horse and buggy? We did. You know, I grew up, I grew up in a buggy. <laughs> Now, you had, to, you had to dig into your phone book, but he didn't have his phone book. It was back in Canada, and so he actually had to ask a family member to go into storage to find his old phone book so he could phone a guy he hadn't seen in over a decade. And God had only told him to say one thing to this guy, and it was simply just ask him how he's doing. But he knew it wasn't just something in his heart. It wasn't just like, oh, like I'm just having this kind of image of this guy. He knew it was the Holy Spirit that was speaking to him to ask this question, how are you doing? And so he asks someone in Canada to go back into storage, find the phone, so he can call this guy. He picks up the phone, and he phones the guy, and again, they haven't talked in about 10 years, and so he just phones, and he asks him that simple question, how you doing? And the guy didn't tell the truth, actually. The guy said he was doing fine, and it was a short conversation. It didn't last all that long. And I guess, you know, when you haven't seen someone in over 10 years, conversations tend to stay maybe a little surface level. Jim felt like he had done what the Holy Spirit asked him to do, and so that was the end of the phone conversation. Now, fast forward a few months. My dad's best buddy, Jim Keddy, would actually pass into eternity far before any of us would have thought. And as the funeral arrangements were made and people were invited to the funeral, word started to spread back in Canada about, about Jim's passing, and word got to this guy that had gotten that phone call from Jim several months earlier. So he decided that he was going to contact Jim's widow, Sue, that he wanted to drive and meet with her and have coffee with her along with his wife. And so they did that. They got together with Sue. They sat down together. And as it turns out, when Jim called him, this guy was going through a deep, dark depression. He'd lost his job. He honestly felt like he was worthless. He woke up and he said to his wife one day, I don't think God exists. I don't think God knows I'm here. I just wish someone would pick up the phone and ask me how I was doing. It was that very same day he got a phone call from the other side of the world that God had started into action days earlier with finding a phone book so that on that very day someone could phone and say, hey, hey, how you doing? I tell that story just so that we understand, yes, God wants more for you and he wants to fill your life with purpose and vision. He wants to lead you in all truth. He wants to give you, uh, he wants to give you more, but he wants to give you more than just a, a warm feeling in worship. The purpose of the power, the purpose of the power, the purpose of the power that God has for us in the Holy Spirit is people. It's people. And so I wanna ask you this simple question as we close this morning. Really, this morning has been an introduction to this series. Really, it's just been to ask one question. Are you willing to go all in? 
Are you willing to go all in with God? Are you willing to say, God, I want all that you've got for me? And this week as I was in prayer, and you heard me mention it last week, how God's been asking me to spend less of my preparation time writing out words of a message and more time in prayer. And so as I was in that added prayer time this week, I felt God speak to my heart and just say very clearly, we need to go deeper as a house. God was speaking to my heart, you need this. You need this because so many of us, we're, we're going through life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, it's like, it's like a sailboat without any wind. And some of you, you came into this place this morning feeling lifeless. And all you need to do over this next month as we enter into this series is just open your life to the more that God has for you. God wants to breathe life. Even just the very word that means spirit in the Bible, it, it actually, the translation, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, the word means breath. They could have even, the Bible translators could have even not said spirit. They could have just been breath of God. That is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants to bring breath and life to you. Not just more knowledge about who God is. Not just another service, but to speak life into you. Some of you, you need life in your marriage right now. You need life in your home. You need life in your job. You need life in your Christianity. Today for you, I can just see Jesus at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. And just as he did on that night with his disciples, he's like, I can't understand how much more I've got. Maybe today you need to make a commitment to come, as Rachel said, and join us on that March 18th worship night. Because I honestly believe when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God's going to do a lot on our Sunday mornings. We're going to have some extended times of worship, and we're going to lean in, and we're going to pray together as we did just at the start of this service. But when it comes to really experiencing all that God has for you, sometimes what you need is a bit more time and a choice to go deeper. So maybe you just need to throw that in your calendar and say, yeah, that's what I need. I need some more time and I need to choose deeper. So Father, we, we, we lean into you across the room today and we, as we lead towards Easter as a church, God, we say we want more and we want all that you have for us, God. We let go of our misconceptions and we let go of our fears to lean into all that you would have for us, God. And I pray that the breath of your spirit would even now, God, breathe across this place. Breathe life into the ones that came into this place feeling lifeless. Through the ministry and power of your Holy Spirit, we pray, God. To receive all that you have for us. That we would make much of Jesus in our lives. some in the room this morning and you actually don't have a relationship with God the Father or Jesus the Son and today that's what God's calling you to in a moment we're going to pray together and I don't want to embarrass you or send you out we're not going to call you to the front but maybe you would just say Shane that's me today I'm far from God or maybe estranged from God maybe at a point in time you made a decision to walk away from God and, and here you are today and you're saying yeah I need I need God's forgiveness. I need to receive all that God did for me in Jesus. I need to receive his love. Today when I was talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you were longing, but you know today you need to get things right with God. You need to choose to to, to pray this prayer of faith today to say, yeah, today I'm giving my life to God or I'm, I'm coming back to God. If that's you, cross the room. 
This is my favorite part of every Sunday. If that's you across the room, I'm just going to ask you, just between you and God, just to slip your hand up and put it right back down where you're saying, yeah, today I'm making a decision to give my life to Jesus. Yeah. Is there anyone else you'd say, yeah, that's me today? Yeah. You'd say, yeah, pray for me. Pray for me. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm coming back to Jesus today. Come on, church, let's pray this together from the bottom of our hearts so that those that have raised their hands or today, you just know that you need to pray this. Say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life and I choose to follow you. Forgive my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could be forgiven and free. So help me to follow you, Jesus give you my whole heart. Pray this in your name. Amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer across the room today?